Welcome back, boys and girls, to another episode of K-Fabe Comparisons. My name is Mr. Know-It-All, Daniel John Schaefer, and today I am joined once again by my holy trinity, Mr. Jesse Baker, Mr. Wex Breaking the Lawson, and Wex, you brought a buddy this time. Got a special guest today, my boy Max Yoder from Atlanta. What's up, y'all? Thanks for having me. Absolutely, absolutely. I, Jesse, I how you living, bro? Dude, I'm. Uh, I've had a, a crazy couple of days, man. Just uh, kind of bopping around town a little bit. May or may not have met a young lady. Uh, yeah, been been a time. Been a time. Here we go. Speaking of times, feels like everybody's getting fired these days. Um, dude, Bronson Reed, crazy. I only got fired two weeks ago. I have a new job starting Monday, but you don't have to keep making fun of me, dude. I know. Wex got. Well, I mean, finally somebody came to their senses and got rid of that dude um yeah so i mean what are what's going on with this whole nxt thing man Is, it, i mean they're gonna revamp everything they're changing the set they're gonna change the logo it looks like triple h isn't in charge anymore and if so what the hell is he doing now like i don't know what's what's going on with this it sort of seems to me like they uh they're trying to make up for the fact that we're all doing so shitty in the ratings by trying to boost up some kind of different franchise and get a little bit more star power or just a different look to the programming but it seems like it's just a classic Vinceism of he got tired of what he was looking at and said, fucking get rid of all of them. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I mean, I think, I mean, I, I mean, and some of the details coming out too, like can't be over 30, no more small people, blah, 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 blah. I don't really understand how that's going to work. I mean, if you look at like their actual roster now and even the people that they're pushing, like all of them are well, well over 30, some well over 40, some well into their 50s. So I don't really understand this whole like idea of we just need big dudes that are young. Like uh, that seems really silly to me. It's just because Vince McMahon and Bruce Pritchard got in a little jerk off session and just made a quick decision on a whim. We're like, fuck it, we're cleaning the house, we're starting over. Well, it's wild, they, dude. What they hate, they like hate all that shit, right? I mean, so it makes sense. They'd be like, let's let's go back to what we know works twenty years ago. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that does make sense. What else we got in the news, though? I mean, Adam Cole hasn't signed his deal, right? So he's still, like, holding the WWE ransom, pretty much? Well, and I kind of wonder if that doesn't play in. (laughs) Like, I wonder if that's not kind of part of the reason for this change to NXT as well. It's like, because you know Vince is probably fucking pissed off that he hasn't signed a contract yet. And he's kind of looking at this example of, you know, why am I being held up? Why is my company being held up by this tiny motherfucker? Fuck all this. We're not ever going to do this again. I kind of wonder if that's not the causality. That would make sense. Yeah, well, it's, it's also, too, isn't their whole thing that, like, isn't part of the whole NXT thing that if you were big on the indies, when you come in, they try to, like, break you down and remold you, right, or whatever. And so instead of having to do that, fuck it, let's get 20-year-olds that are huge and we can just teach them from the start <laughs> and make yeah. them all be boring. I think it's yeah, kind of like gonna... that one dude they're big on, uh, what's his name, Parker Bordeaux or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. I think they're kind of, that's like, I feel like that's the direction they're going. He's not a wrestler. He's not a former wrestler. He's just a big, like, football player guy. Which is Vince McMahon's Rock, bread and Rock butter. Jr. Oh, he loves them big and strong. They're just hoping to make oh. ten Roman Reigns. Yeah, they want. They just want a roster of all rocks and Roman Reigns and Lesnar's. That's it. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. That might not be the worst thing for them if it's in particular. But let's get to the show, boys. We got two classic shit show train wrecks of shows for the most <laughs> part. It's WCW Hogwild 1996 versus TNA's Hard Justice from 2006. So we're going to, I guess, do the uh, the 25-year one first, right? Let's, let's, let's hop into 1996. 
Um, dude, you like called the Wayback Machine on here? Is that yes, the Wayback way Machine. machine? Yeah, yeah. Is that trademark? That? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah, hop in the Wayback Machine, whatever you want to call it, whatever. It's uh, yeah, like, dude, the intro package for this whole thing was super, super '90s. Um, I mean, Shivani on uh, like doing his best narration voice was fantastic, and oh, dude, yeah. just like, just the attire, yeah, from Tony Shivani, Dusty Rhodes, and Bobby the Brain Heenan, top notch. Jesse, what do you think about this intro? I mean, that my favorite part of the whole show, it set the tone for the entire show, just seeing how these dickheads were dressed. It's the most ridiculous <laughs> looking shit that I've ever seen. And then, like, you got Dusty coming out with, like, you know, mispronouncing words right from the jump, and which is just classic. <laughs> and very, very, very clearly intoxicated Bobby Heenan. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Yeah. I, and it got worse and worse as the night went on, naturally, as it always yeah. does. And it was uh, heavily enjoyable. Wex, what do you think about this open? Yeah, it was fucking fantastic. Uh, it, I mean, honestly, the the production and kind of like the location and the aesthetic was cool because you don't really see that. Never really seen a show like that before or after with all the bikers and right. everything. So that was cool. But yeah, dude, that gear was fucking heinous. Like the short cutoff shorts and the cowboy boots. He yeah. was fucking rocking it hard. Shivani's fake tattoo was a touch, too. Yes. Yeah, I do oh, always that love that about old, nice. about old WCW shit. It get, when it gets hokey, they... They're not scared. They, like, lean into it. Like, all right, we're doing it at the beach. We're wearing the ugliest fucking Hawaiian shirts ever. We're doing a biker <laughs> rally. We're going to wear the ugliest biker shit ever. They do lean into it. They lean Tony into Shavali it. I, I love it. It's great. <clears throat> Tony loves to play up the theme. I love, Tony, I love Tony, themes. He's a cosplay kind of guy, if you will. Um, let's jump into the first match here. It's Ultimo Dragon versus Rey Mysterio Jr. for the WCW Cruiserweight Championship. Thought this match was dope. It's actually my second favorite match of the night um, for me. Uh, it was, I thought it was actually a pretty solid blend of like the Lucha style, the Japanese style, and the American style, especially for 1996. I also think like you could put this match from bell to bell on pretty much any other television show today, and I think it would still hold up. Um, and that's been valuable. I think that's kind of the point. It was it was really good. Gave it four and a half beers. Uh, Wex, what did you guys think about this open? Dude, I thought it was a really sick matchup. The crowd really wasn't into it, and they had dumbass USA chants, even though one guy <laughs> technically is from America, but they build him from Mexico, and they build him from, you know, Japan. Like he's, but they were USAing it up. Dude, I thought <laughs> the mispronunciations. Uh, Dusty Rhodes called Rey, Myster- Rey Mysterious a few times in the match, <laughs> and I was like, fuck yeah, just keep it going. Uh, he called uh, uh, Sonny Ono uh, the, a snake in the rice patty. Oh, oh, nice. <laughs> nice. A snake nice. in the rice patty. Oh, my goodness. A snake in the rice patty. But, like, nobody else would get away from that bullshit. But it's Dusty Rhodes. And this was 96, so it didn't matter. But, yeah, I went 3.75 beers. Solid. It was really good. It was my also second favorite match of the night. Nice, nice, nice. Jesse, what do you think about this opener? A little more generous. I went five beers. I thought it was interesting that uh, both guys are called slightly different names than we're used to here. Mysterio is spelled differently on the lower third. Yeah. And they actually do say the ultimate dragon yeah. in the lower third for Ultimo, <laughs> which I thought was yeah. very interesting. This, like I thought this match was especially cool because it's coming right off that NWO angle where they lawn darted Ray into the side of the trailer or whatever. And commentary sold the shit out of that during this. So, like, the bum knee being sold and that whole thing, I thought was pretty effective. And Dusty not being able to pronounce either name just had me rolling the entire time. But, yeah, I gave it five beers. I thought it was a fucking great open. Yeah, um, it was really good. And then we got the flip side on the next match here. It's uh, 
Well, before we get to the match, we did get Mean Gene plugging the hotline, and he's wearing his best biker gear as well, and that always makes me pop because you got to <laughs> rest in peace, old Mean Gene. Love that. Love his hustle, too, man. That dude is just – he made so much money off those damn hotlines. Did I uh, – Sorry, yeah. did you guys ever call the hotlines back in those days when you were kids? I did not. I did not. Uh, I was too scared I'd get in trouble. I always wanted to. A hundred percent. Same same thing. I wanted to. My mom was like not allowing me to. Like, nope. Yeah, but they would kind of like give you dirt sheet type shit, right? Isn't that how it would work? I think it was actually more storyline driven shit, wasn't it? Like, wasn't it just like, extra storyline shit? From what I understood that it was a mixture of the two, but the dirt sheet element of it apparently like didn't have a lot of foundation. Like it was just kind of shit that they thought would be sensationalist and get people to want to call back, whether it had any bearing in truth or uh, not. Okay. Right. I remember the WWF ones because I wasn't really watching at this time, but I told them the WWF ones. I feel like with like Michael Cole or like Kevin Kelly or someone telling you to like call it. Todd Pettengill, baby. Todd, Todd Pettengill. <laughs> yeah, that's what it did. Yeah. Oh, that fucking dude. Yeah, I totally. love that, dude. 100% gotta love, gotta love the Todd era. But let's keep it moving here. Match number two here is Ice Train versus Scott Norton. Uh, this is just straight up meat slapping. Um, it's pretty much all it was. Big guys throwing clotheslines, and it was not good at all. I give it actual a solid dud. Did not like this match one bit. Uh, Jesse, what did you think about it? Also a dud. It was a lot of no-selling. Uh, surprisingly, the crowd was like, not all the way against it, but I think you just had a bunch of biker dudes and two big old guys and a white guy fighting a black guy, and that was kind of the theme for the rest of the show, too. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. God damn it. I mean, yeah. <laughs> that was a big zero for me. Yeah, well, actually, would you rate this Ice Train versus Scott Norton match? I don't know if it's because I was feeling very generous, but I gave it a beer and a half. Yeah, you I must don't know how it earned that I like this header right here, Fire versus Ice. Yeah, because because their team was Fire and Ice before. That was their tag team, so that's yeah, why I did, yeah, wrote down Fire versus Ice. But yeah, it it was pretty short too. And I noted, you know, uh, what's his name? Thank, thank Ice God. Train was selling his injury from the Giant from earlier before in the night. From the if you remember, there was a little video where they got attacked. But he sold that. But yeah, one and a half. It is what it is. Two big guys. He won with like a armbar submission, I think. He worked on that arm pretty hard. Worked on that arm pretty hard. Let's like that Japanese rolling. training right there. Yeah. Yeah. Let's keep it rolling. We got a flair like promo package that I really liked. Uh, it was a really like 90s production style, but it wasn't like typical Ric Flair, like just spitting one liners and yelling. He's just like calmly talking in like a studio setting. And I thought it was actually a nice kind of change of pace. Uh, but the match here is going to be Bull Nakano <laughs> versus Medusa. Match number three on the card. I thought the crowd was super hot for Medusa, obviously, um, for obvious reasons. Um, and honestly, okay, like, this was not a good match by any stretch of the imagination. But as I was watching it, I was like, it's crazy that, like, just 10 years after this, like, the Divas era, those matches were worse than this. Like, oh, they yeah. were actually worse. And, like, so I was like, I don't know. I wish it, it had, like, not even a real finish. It was really stupid. I gave it a, a beer, one beer. Um Wex, where are you guys at on Bull Nakano versus Medusa here? I mean, you kind of covered everything really match-wise right there. And I also gave it one beer solely for the fact of Dusty Rhodes trying to say nunchucks at the beginning of the match. That is my exact (laughs) same fucking note. The exact same thing. That was the best shit. He's like, nunchucks. Nunchucks. Oh, my goodness. Great. And the fact they had a fucking – the only like they had a Honda out there because she was Japanese and she bit it with a sledge. It was just – it was a bunch of fucking Gaga bullshit. Yeah, one beer. Hogwild 96, <laughs> race baiting by WCW. Hey, uh, Jesse, what do you think about Bull Nakano versus Medusa? 
I mean, the thing is, WCW actually had a pretty decent, albeit small, women's division during the mid-90s. I mean, Medusa, you can't argue with her ability to work. It's not necessarily on display here, but she's great. Bull Meccano's fucking great. You had Akira Hokuto at the time, who was fucking incredible. Like, they were pretty ahead of their time when it came to the women's division thing. This match, yes, straight up Gaga, but that crowd was so ready for Medusa in her fucking star-spangled gear running out there with the two biggest guns on the show. And uh, hey, now that was so, there, you know, they were there for it. But my note literally was one beer strictly for nunchucks. Dude, I love that. And I noticed this match. Was she one of the first people to really be doing the sling blade a lot? I, 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 I so, never yeah. really saw it before. And she did like she did the classic, like the same, like the same Rollins and Bauer. Like they do the sling blade, sling blade. It's like the, the, the double down or whatever. They did yeah. the sling blades. Yeah. Same, like and she was the first. Hers don't look as good as those guys. Naturally. Obviously, because they're they're fucking Seth Rollins and Finn yeah, Balor. Well, I mean, she's a little top heavy. Let's keep it rolling here. Uh, <laughs> match number four on the list is going to be Dean Malenko versus Chris Benoit, and this match is a banger, boys. Like, Dude. I mean, it's it's an absolute banger. Uh, this has got to be my match of the night, like bar none. I think that it's the best. I will say though. Um, the booking was a little suspect. Like, why have them go all that time and That's not do a draw? My, my rating suffered a bit. Yeah, yeah, it Only suffered reason. a little bit. I gave it five beers because of that. Like, I would have probably gone five and a half, uh, maybe even, maybe even six if it had been a little bit shorter. Uh, I mean, come on, you can kayfabe it. I know that you got the timer, but Jesus, it was a little long. Um, five beers though, still hell, hell of a hell of a match. Uh, Jesse, where are you at on Malenko versus Benoit here? I got to say, the thing that impressed me about it the most is, you know, this crowd, they're all bikers that got in for free. Like, these people didn't purchase tickets. They literally just parked as part of a bike rally and didn't really probably know who anybody was aside from Hogan. They probably would have known Mach, you know. That's it. Hogan and Flair. Those are the two guys. But for that being said, this match really, in my opinion, kept the crowd a lot more captivated than I thought when I saw it on the list. At first I was like, oh no, it's two short white guys. Everybody's going to hate on this, but they were, everybody was really like loud and into it. I thought it was fucking great. I also gave it five fucking beers, man. Nice, nice. Wex, where you at on it? Very close to you guys. I went four and a half and I would have gave it five and a half, but like you said, that fucking the booking and the fact that it went a little bit too long, if they just would have ended it after the just after the first restart, not the second restart. Like, the yeah. first, that would have been perfect. And uh, just like when I was listening to the What Happened When podcast, shout out to them, getting some more info on this fucking thing. Like, the crowd there was just like, it's like if it would have been any other crowd, like, because uh, actually Dave Meltzer in The Observer wrote about this match saying if it would have been, this is like high quality American wrestling for the time. If it would have been any other crowd, they would have went absolutely more nuts for it but it's just the fact that jesse said it's random fucking bikers pulling up to watch some guys wrestle but fantastic benoit is his career made on like multiple fall matches like how many benoit matches have we reviewed on this goddamn podcast where it's at least two to three falls yeah i agree yeah he's the man he's the the iron man rest in peace before the last 10 minutes of his life peace yeah um yeah (laughs) <laughs> okay, so well, let's uh, let's not wait a couple days. Let's just keep rolling here. It's uh, Connor Brothers versus uh, Harlem Heat. Uh, yeah, let's just go right into something else that's really fun to talk about. Um, the racist ass crowd at a biker rally in 1996. I mean, it is kind of like a classic babyface heel tag team match, and it was pretty well executed. I mean, I, I was surprised. I actually expected the Steiners 
Because to me, like when I watch those matches back from the signers, it doesn't really hold up. Like they're just they were just like a little bit more athletic road warriors, essentially. Like, um, but I felt like this one was executed pretty well. The work was actually pretty good. And I honestly enjoyed the n- nostalgia of it. I didn't even really mind the Gaga finish. I think it worked for the time and it worked for the match. I gave it three beers. I was right there in the middle on it. Jesse, where are you at on this uh, tag team championship match? It's like impressive to watch these things back and hear just the auditory aspect of how much louder the bikes got yeah. as Harlem Heat's walk into the ring. It's so fucking obvious that this is like the most race baited situation. Yeah. And it, you have to think that they knew going in, but like I got to give credit to Harlem Heat. They come out into this situation and they fucking played all the way into it. Yeah. Oh, like, yeah. They, they were taking all of that heat and giving it right fucking back to everybody, which made the match 10 times better, in my opinion. I mean, like it was, the crowd, again, was very into it. The, I, I thought the Steiners work, like you said, was a little bit more impressive than I would have given it credit for in this period of time. I gave it four beers. Nice. Pretty solid. Wex, where you at on this tag team match? I'm going to be the bridge in between you two boys because I gave it 3.5 beers. Nice. And I thought, like, just kind of everything you guys said, it was fantastic. You could clearly tell the heat was real there. And I watched an interview with Stevie Ray about the match, and he said, man, we were the only black people in that county. He said that's how it felt to him. He said it was just – he said it was a little scared, like, you know, it was a little, like, overwhelming. They said, fuck it, like, you know, we're going to go out there and just kill it. And they did, like – and just, like, the Steiners – this is right, you know, like, a few years before Big Papa Pump and – I, I like mullet Scotty. Mullet Scotty's oh, sick. And, mullet Scotty fucking rules. And yeah. this this man right here, he, he's met Rick Steiner personally graduating high school. Yeah, Rick, oh, Rick Steiner's on the uh, Board of Education in the county I grew up in. Nice. And at the time when I graduated, I hadn't been paying attention to wrestling for a while. And I'll never forget, we're going to get our diplomas. You shake everyone's hand and go. And so-and-so, this person in uh, what's Richard Steiner. And I was like, what the fuck? And I walk up, and there he is. And he hands you your diploma and you shake his hand. You're like, whoa. Yeah, they're like pillars of the community where I grew up. <laughs> Weird. Nice. Yeah. That's cool. Did you ever uh, get to go to uh, to Shoney's? Shoney's? So yes. I'm pissed. I used to stay at a buddy's house like Damn, less, than a, less than a mile away from there for years. Passed it a million times. Was never really a fan of Shoney's, but I should have gone. <laughs> I, regret, I regret it now. <laughs> well, I mean, I can't say you're the only person that's not a big fan of Shoney's, but... Uh... If it, if it was still there now, I would definitely go. But I feel like at the time, it was when I was not paying attention to so wrestling. You, really you guys have clicked. So everybody's seen that YouTube video where there was like the robbery or the shooting, and they randomly interview Scott oh, Steiner. Yeah, yeah, and he's, yeah. they, I guess he's just like interviewing. He's like, it's like it just didn't say Scott Steiner. It's a local business owner. Yeah. I which is that. fucking hilarious, dude. Yes. So Shoney's ruined buffets for me when I was like four years old, and I've never really been able to get over that. But I wanted to take a road trip to that Shoney's so bad. Apparently, he has closed the Shoney's down, but is now opening a sports bar instead. So, oh, I'll be a chance. Do, do so, you know, is it going to be like in the same part of town? I'm assuming. I think it's the same location from what I heard. Okay, but I, yeah, that's all third hand. Hey, well, next time we're going down to Atlanta, me and Max are going to be yeah. hanging out at Scotty's Bar. That's my hometown, man. Big like, pop of pumping some beers, baby. That's what, That's part of what was so cool about growing up watching WCW as a kid was you would hear, oh, you know, Buff Bagwell lives in Marietta or like all those dudes live like right yeah. all around the place. So it was cool. <clears throat> well, I don't like you guys disparaging the good name of Shoney's. It's an American institution. <laughs> Let's keep things rolling here. Speaking of an American institution, it's Eddie Guerrero versus uh, Ric Flair here. <laughs> Uh, dude, this is like this would have been really close for a match of the night for me. Um, I mean, 
I was expecting less, honestly, because 90s Flair isn't always the best. And he did start off with, like, kind of his comedy stuff, shoving the ref and the slap, you know, bump and everything. But, like, I mean, it, I felt like it settled into a really damn good match. I mean, one of Rick's better matches might be his best match of 96 for sure. And Eddie is just Eddie. Um, the match was really good. And honestly, at this point, I was like, dude, we're six matches in and like the show is not that bad. Like the actual wrestling on the show is not that bad. Like the crowd sucked, but the matches really weren't that bad. <laughs> Jesse, what do you think about Guerrero versus Flair here? I, uh, Ric Flair <clears throat> in this era of the United States heavyweight championship. I mean, it, it's palatable that you, you can tell that he is unhappy, right? Like he, <laughs> I just, I, I said that to him earlier talking about watching that. Yeah. Like you can just tell that he is fucking pissed and he knows that he's getting fucked over by the booking committee people. And he knows that he's not in good favor with everybody. This is like peak Flair Bischoff hating each other, but he goes through this string in 96 of, competing against a bunch of Latin American wrestlers who you wouldn't think he would do great against, but he's probably the only like famous guy on the roster that they really could have put in that spot. Like earlier in the year, he had a banger of a match with Conan in like Mexican Hulk Hogan era Conan. You know what I mean? And uh, I thought this match was fucking incredible bell to bell. I thought it was really great placement for Guerrero Mm -hmm. at this stage in his career. Cause a lot of people didn't, you know, it's not that they didn't know who he was, but I mean, Wrestling fucking Ric Flair in the middle of a gigantic show for a decent amount of time. I thought the finish was beneficial to him at this time. I gave it five beers. Yeah, I think we're, we're pretty much in the same boat there. Uh, Wex, where are you at on it? Almost there, too. I went 4.75 because this was my match wow. tonight. Eddie Guerrero. Like, dude, some of the reversals he did in that match, like, I noticed he like this one reversal, and they, like, didn't even know how to call it. Bob, Drunk Bobby Heenan had to <laughs> save it and be like, no. He reversed it. That's why, like, of all people, <laughs> drunk Bobby Heenan had to fucking save the call because Eddie Guerrero's wrestling was so innovative that fucking Dusty Rhodes and Tony Schiavone couldn't even handle what they were seeing in front of their face. But, yeah, fucking fantastic. Eddie Guerrero losing definitely got the rub, even though he lost to Flair. Like, yeah. this was definitely, like, pre-cementing him. Like, this is Eddie Guerrero becoming, like, the man. Like, I agree. Starting I agree. to get that, become a household name, like pre WWF. I think that Bobby Heenan probably had a little bit of an advantage because I think at that point he was probably seeing two Eddie Guerreros and two Ric Flair, so he could kind <laughs> maybe, of grasp it all at the same time. But maybe that's what happened. Here. It was a little rough. Uh, speaking of a little rough, uh, let's keep it rolling here. There's a Mean Gene interview with Jimmy Hart and the Giant. That was real oh, rough. Oh, God. Um, that was real <laughs> rough. Uh, I don't know what else to say about that. Like, geez, bro. Like, Paul White, I, I, I would love to get his, like, um, his take on his his shit like he need, he needs a podcast man i feel like that dude's had a, like one of the most interesting careers of all time um he yeah. almost got goldberg in the sense that they threw him in there so fucking early yeah. when he was far too green to be in any yeah. of these spots but it just luckily for him like due to his size he could kind of get past it a little bit but some of it's still pretty fucking gnarly pretty well, gnarly he's, he's been pretty open though hasn't he about like agreeing that like yeah i got shoved into that shit and people were feeding me the wrong intro, like yes. similar, like you said with Goldberg, like he's been pretty open about that oh, yeah. situation, which is yeah. cool. <clears throat> yeah, that, that the world needs a t- the, yeah, the world needs a tell all from uh, from Big Show. We need we need uh, Conrad to get on that. I feel like that would be dope. Yeah. Um, <laughs> let's let's keep it rolling here. The the match here is the Outsiders versus Lex Luger and Sting. Uh, and call me crazy, but I kind of like the match. I mean, it's all nostalgia, but I didn't care. I liked it a lot. I thought the crowd was super hot for it. The sun was kind of finally down. Uh, it was a slow build. 
Uh, and I thought it was pretty good. I mean, you know, Nash and Hall get worse, both of them, as time goes on. Um, but, like, I mean, but seriously, like, they, they, I felt like they were really, you know, this is the very beginning of the NWO, and I felt like there's easily the most star power in this match. You know what I mean? Like, all four guys oh, yeah. are at least, you know, pretty close to household names at this point. And the finish was kind of the beginning of the heel Nick Patrick era, which I kind of liked that storyline, too. So... I'm I'm good with it. And you know what, dude? At this point, I'm going to say it again. Like, Road Wild 96 is a much better wrestling show than I gave it credit for just because of how, like, it's historically known as a shitty crowd. But the the show is, you know, like, the match is super good, man. Three and a half beers for me. Uh, I was into it. Wex, where you at? The Outsiders versus Lex Luger and Sting. I don't know if we have that synergy. That's literally the exact same rating that I had. Three and a half beers for that one. It was fucking sick. Like... I mean, I don't want to just reiterate the same shit that you just spat off, but yeah, it was fucking solid. Good job, son. Jesse, what'd you think about it? I got to say this for this match, too. <clears throat> you got to keep in perspective here. Lex Luger's big, like, debut on the first episode of Nitro when he pulled the whole WWF right into WCW thing was the September before this. Yeah. Oh, only a year. year. Yeah. So if you put that in perspective, like, barely a year. And yeah. then in that same time, we've already acquiesced into this NWO era. Like he could situation. have been the fourth man. And yeah, right. That would have been fucking awful. But yeah, <laughs> like, it would have been awful. I agree. But this was a really I thought it was a really well worked match. I was right in the middle. I was right at three. I thought there were parts of the match that were a little bit draggy, but like the finish made so much sense that it definitely kept me like right in that middle ground on it. Yeah, it was, it was cool that we fought. That's that's the beginning of Nick Patrick turning heel. Yeah, that was his heel turn. Was was this one of the first like pay per view outsiders matches after NWO was formed? Because yeah, this is, is yeah. the second. Is this the second pay per view after Bash of the Beach? Yeah, yes, yeah. It's right. It's the next pay per view. Yeah, so okay, yeah, yeah. This is early, early NWO. Right, yeah. yeah, and they kept this is this is right on the heels of them lawn darting Rey Mysterio into a trailer right. and legitimately yep, getting kept, the popcorn. Yeah. Like yeah. They they hammered that in on commentary so hard they're like, did you see? Because like, because that Ric Flair didn't show up apparently that week, and the whole thing was like, Arm was looking for him and he got beat up, and like they were really hammering how bad the NWO was on commentary the whole show. They were really ramping up like arguably the hottest pro wrestling angle in the history of pro wrestling. To be completely fair, like I mean this, I mean you can say what you want about you know Austin or The Rock or whatever, but I mean yeah, NWO, I agree. Yeah, it's got to be number one. Like it has to be. I mean Hogan turning well, heel. That's what I was gonna say. When with the uh, outsiders being out there, even those drunk bikers had probably heard about the NWO at that. point. Of course, so of like, course, yeah. I mean, the Dude, merch was, I think it was insane. Kind of a yeah. If they would have did this after the NWO was like hot shit, I bet the, it would have been like a way better vibe for the biker. Well, they did. And they had like Jay Leno at the next one, didn't they? Wasn't that 97 mm -hmm. or was that 98? That, I, think that that's, was, I think that's 98. That's Road Wild. Okay. Oh, hog that's Wild. Sorry. Excuse me. Excuse me. <laughs> All right. You do know why they had to change that name, right? No, I don't. What's the Harley story? made him change it. Harley Davidson. So there's a whole thing like with Harley owners. There's like a Harley owners group. Uh, oh my fucking god! What yeah. piece of shit? So but that's why that's why everybody refers to Harleys as hogs, and it's kind of yeah. commonly known that that's the situation. And so they go to Sturgis, they go to a fucking biker rally, they name it after the top branded fucking motorcycle on the planet. So yeah, after that they made him change the name. Uh, I mean, it, it's well, an it it's owned IP. Dot O dot G dot. It was the word hog, like an animal. 
They own the trademark. I mean, just like you know, WWE tries to buy up trademark. It's the same idea. I mean, they, they owned it. And called it Noow. No, yeah. no, I would have called it H A W G while baby. There you go. <laughs> See? Because we know all about D A W G uh Rocky McDaniel Rock Dog, or a local pro wrestler, a phenomenon in the Nashville scene. Phenomenon. Oh, <laughs> phenomenon. Speaking of a, a phenomenon of a bad match, it's Hulk Hogan versus the Giant for a WCW World Heavyweight Championship. Dude, it's Hogan versus the Giant. I feel like that's all you have to say to like describe what happened in the ring. Um, wasn't it this time? Wasn't he being billed as the son of Andre the Giant or the like yes. wink wink kind of? Yeah, this yeah, was, was still very, like very, this is very dude. This is very p- quick off the heels of the Dungeon of Doom. Like not long. Like dude. And at this point too, Bobby Heenan is shit house drunk. I mean, oh, like, yeah. it's not. He's there's no hiding it. Like he is just. I, I mean, at that point, like I would legit wasn't even like watching because I was like, oh, I mean, come him. on, I there's only so him. many, there's only so many back breaks you can watch. Um, but like Bobby was just, I, I mean, I was losing my mind. It was so so funny because um, it's like he's trying to be, like I feel like Shivani scolded him like five or six times for oh, like exactly. going against I love like. That. He just like. I think he's like, no, he didn't get him. Now stop. Just yeah. stop it. Yeah. Giovanni and Dusty both had to shut Heenan down so many fucking times in the last half of this show. Not, and, and, I mean, Heenan sort of leans into it at some point. He's like, he got him. No, he didn't. He got him. No, he didn't. Yeah. <laughs> like, I want events straight dude. up. And did you know Tony Schiavone actually was like a producer at the time? So he was Bobby Heenan's boss at the moment. Oh. Oh. So. Think about that. He's just sitting here like, God damn it, Bobby. Like, yeah. get your shit together. Yeah, and you notice Bobby Heenan had a water bottle, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I was listening Vodka. to that podcast. He's, uh, Dusty was like, apparently was like, hey, you know that's not water. A private party. You know, this ain't water. Uh, some of Jimmy's water kind of gets you fucking drunk. Yeah. <laughs> the good yeah. kind of water. That's what the Bobby was kind. drinking all night. The good kind of water. Uh, I mean, I should have drank some of that, I guess. Maybe I would have rated this match a little higher. I gave it, okay. I gave the match a half a beer, uh, but with the post match and the iconic like spray painting of the belts, you got to give it a little more. So I went two and a half total, uh, just because I've been a full beer and a half just for the actual classic, you know, spray paint of the NWO. And I do believe the next night on Nitro is when the Giant actually becomes the fourth man, and it's like. I don't know. That logic seemed a little flimsy to me, but I know it was pretty much, it might not have been right after this, maybe not have been like that Monday, but I know that he was the next guy. So that's just a little weird. And I feel like right then, right when that fourth guy comes in to me, that's when the storyline already starts to like, starts to fade. Like right at that moment when the fourth guy comes in. But overall, man, I, I, I liked the show quite a bit. I think I rated it as a show, like three and a half beers, which is pretty damn solid. Uh, Jesse, where are you at on this main event and the show overall? I mean, anything involving a stupid fucking Gaga angle with Brutus the fucking barber as the booty man is going to really not rate too high for me. Uh, Giant is greener than goose shit here, which is not his fault, but god damn, it's so fucking obvious. And, like, the crowd couldn't care less. The crowd was given, like, they were babyface cheering Hogan the entire fucking time. The entire time, yeah. Because he's, like, the main guy they know. You know what I mean? Like... And then now, not only that, but it's not sold on those bikers that just because Hogan's out there in black as opposed to red and yellow that he's all of a sudden a heel. They're like, oh, he looks like one of us, brother. And yeah. like, <laughs> it was it was like biker solidarity. I gave it one beer, horrible cameos, jolly green fucking giant. It was just bad gaga the whole time, I felt like. Show overall, though, 
I was right at three and a half as well. And I got to say, like, it, it, two of the best matches of the fucking year occurred on this show. And the rest yeah. of them, for the most part, really just weren't that bad, with the exception of Hogan Giant and uh, Fire and Ice. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Wex, where are you out on the main event and, like, the show overall here? Okay, so this main event, originally I had it around you at the two and a half beers. But the fact that at the time you kind of thought that they were teasing Booty Man as the fourth member of the NWO. Because this, yeah. they were teasing the fourth guy, they never officially said it. And the fact that you got Brutus the Booty Man Beefcake out there, like, it's just, uh, I, I'm just with Jesse. Like, fuck, fuck, what's his real name? Uh, Ed Leslie. Ed Leslie. And Leslie is too close to Wesley, so fuck him. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but... The angle itself, like, it's historically, like, oh, it's, like, when the finally official, like, the the iconic symbol of WCW is getting defaced. But what's always pissed me off is how shitty he wrote NWO on there. It's yeah. so bad. It doesn't even look like an N. It looks like shit. <laughs> and then yeah. if you ever see, like, in the WWE video games, they'll have, like, the NWO belt. It's, like, spray-painted really good and precise to where you can see NWO. But Hogan's version, who let him do that? Who... They didn't practice this. Like you're gonna spray paint NWO. Like you better make sure it looks good. It looks like looks like shit. It doesn't even look like NWO. That's always pissed me off. I would have rated it higher. I gave it a beer and a half for the angle, for the historicness of it. But fuck Brutus the Barber Beefcake. Fuck Hogan's hand styles. It's not very good. Not no, very good. I highly doubt that he spent a lot of time with a spray paint can in his hand. They should have practiced this. This was serious. But is that so? When he spray painted it right there, is that? Did they like reapply it or is that no, that's what that's it, was? it. That's, that, the that's one. what it was forever. It right. always right. was shitty. It never looked good after that. Uh, yeah. And that's cool though. They kept it at least. Yeah, well that that's pretty cool. <clears throat> but that that literally that was the original big gold belt though. Yeah. Yeah. Like that was the belt. So I mean that was that was a very historic moment. I like that's that's defacing the representation of WCW for like I don't know how long until Yeah. Forever, yeah. basically. Yeah, it's an iconic moment for sure. Uh, what Such was your overall for the show? Good, but the match itself sucked. Like you said, green is goose shit. I what kept was- thinking like earlier that promo with him with the giant. I was thinking Captain Insano the entire time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty much. That makes sense. I think AEW just trademarked that too, which is really hilarious. If they yeah. use that in a match, like a like a battle royale, him come out as in Captain Insano. Oh, uh, especially with like a bad wig and just rolling yes, into yes, it, that'd be so awesome. Oh. I could also, I could, I could see them getting Sandler for that too. Oh, yes. totally. They probably could. They probably could for sure. Get Bobby Boucher to come to the ring with them. Fuck, goddamn. Wait, that'd be sick. what? What company made Waterboy? Is that Warner Brothers? No, it's a Happy Madison production. So okay. he probably. But owns everything's the, owned by. But it, he probably yeah. owns the intellectual rights because mm. Adam Sandler's probably, hopefully, he's smart enough to at least. Oh, I'm it. dude. Yes, he is. He is for sure. Dude, that, would be, is for sure. that would be sick, actually. I well, mean, it probably. I mean, he does because think about it. He has different characters from his other movies. Will appear in other yeah. movies. He probably owns it all. Sandler. Yeah. It's. Uh, it was made by Touchstone. Touchstone, which That's is Disney, a subsidiary of Disney. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we're never gonna see it, boys. Disney Plus. <laughs> maybe we'll see. It. Maybe we'll see Captain and Santa make an appearance in like the next Spider-Man movie or something. Um, let's, uh, all right, let's move it on here to TNA hard justice, 2006 Wex, Did you, what was your, wait, what was your overall beer for the, for the hog wild show? Right there in the middle, a 3.0. Okay. 
So overall, overall, we're like we're like three beers deep. Let's uh let's let's jump into this hard justice show 2006. The open here was pretty 2006 style. Um, lots of star power, star power for TNA at this point too. Um, but we don't really see that in the opening match. It's Johnny Devine versus Eric Young. Um, man, it was uh, it was something. It, it was uh, hot, dude. It was super it was hot. hot. It was a hot. The crowd was super hot. Uh, yeah, it was, it was pretty funny, man. I mean, obviously the only thing you can really talk about is the fire and the rafters, the extinguisher dust completely caking everyone in the crowd and the wrestlers hilarious to me. Uh, the fact that they didn't like, I mean, it's like, dude, I get that you're on pay-per-view, but you should probably like at least, I mean, it wasn't like a massive building, like empty the building, bring it back in. You know what I mean? Like at least get them all out for a minute and then like try to do the cleanup as fast as you can. And I guess they tried to do that, but it took forever to get that thing cleaned up. Crazy stuff. Um, overall, I gave it uh, a beer, one beer, because I was like, man, these dudes, like, they did their best <laughs> in a really awkward situation. Jesse, what do you think about Divine versus Eric Young here? So I have to go back to the open for just a second. I thought that the, the package part on Sting was very reminiscent of, like, what WWE would do with the Wyatts, like, 10 years later. I thought that yeah. there, there were weird elements of that similar kind of filming style and stuff. And I don't know. I thought it was really well done. There's a really strange shot where the camera comes out from in between SoCal Val's legs and like zooms out onto a wide shot of the crowd. I thought that was fucking weird as shit. And then the Jim Cornette pump up got me fucking hype. I was uh, I was yeah. all about it. I gave this match and you're going to think I'm crazy, but this is circumstantial purely. I gave this match five beers and here's why. It wasn't the best match for sure. Eric Young is on his, like, best Noe Jose style fucking shit with the crowd. The crowd was all the fuck about Eric Young here. They were really behind it even before any of the crazy shit happened. When something like that goes on, I don't understand how the fuck you keep working. And they really didn't let it affect him. Like, they they kept go- – there were a couple of, like, acknowledgement points or whatever. But that was really it. And they continued on with, like, the fucking – Homeless looking Earl Hebner angle coming out to attack Slick Johnson after the match. Like they just kept going, kept going, kept going and didn't miss a beat. And I got to say, like, that's fucking impressive. I don't know how many other talent are going to be in the middle of a fucking literal fire and all this extinguisher shit and the amount of dust that was in that room and just continue to work without missing a beat. I thought it was great. That's like, who even is Johnny Devine? Did he ever have like an actual career after this? No, he was just a Team Canada guy, and then when they split, he did this Alex Shelley gimmick for a little while, and then he fucking disappeared. Wax, what did you think about this opening match? Well, I gave him credit because of the circumstances, but I wasn't as generous as Jesse. I went two and a half beers on this one. And like I said, just because, same thing Jesse said, Eric Young was over as hell right now, and they just somehow worked through it with just like, you literally could not see anything, and the fact the crowd kept chanting, the roof, the roof. The roof is on fire. Like, that set it off for me. It was sick. And then I like how they use this. Another wrestler uses this angle later down the line in one of his probos, which we'll get to. But, yeah, two and a half beers. They they tried with what they had. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I guess so. It, it, to me, it's like, you know, when the match is over, we have this Earl Hebner angle with, like, Zabisco and his weird wig. And I... I <laughs> It's like, I don't know really, like, like okay, so in the first th- essentially 20 minutes of the show, we get a random opener with some fire in the rafters, and then we have Earl Hebner in an angle, which is never, ever money, really. And, 
Like, what are we doing? And then we have 30 solid minutes of cleanup, and it's just a bunch of really weird, bad on the spot promos. Like that Monty Brown promo part so bad. was oh my so God. painfully he bad. His forehead with the mic. Oh, dude! Like, what a crazy human being! Like, did you know he's the know. alpha male? Did you know he is the alpha male? I had no idea. I, I, I don't know. I think he said it legitimately like 67 times in that one, and it couldn't have been longer than. Actually, maybe it was like way too long. I think it, it did talk for like three minutes or something like that, which is yeah, insane. It was, it was, if it was three minutes, it was two minutes and 35 seconds too long. There's a lot of bad promos in this fucking pay-per-view. I'll just say that. Yeah, it the Shane terrible. Douglas promo was weird. The Kevin Nash in a fucking wheelchair thing was weird. He's it in was, a wheelchair, but his neck hurts. I don't uh, – what the yeah. fuck? It, it was, was very reminiscent of WrestleMania being rained out and them trying to improv it and it have was. Yes. Dude, you know. reminded me totally of that there's on the spot like fuck, I don't know. But at least these wrestlers were used to cutting promos. In WWE, they weren't used to cutting shit off the top. So, yeah. we can give them a pass. We can't give fucking Rhino and well Scott Steiner, he's always fucked up, but you know. <laughs> not a- there are three things about that entire pause that really stood out to me. One, this whole fucking time-killing pause that's just incredibly long, we have to keep in mind, this is on the rebroadcast. Why wouldn't you cut that out yeah. from on-demand? Like, why? You, like, you don't need to live through that moment again. Yeah. Two, Don West is, like, selling to the crowd on the camera as though they didn't buy a pay-per-view. Like, stay with us. We got, you know, it's like, what the, like, if they bought it, they bought it. You know what I mean? Yeah. You're not gonna literally. You're not gonna turn off a pay per view. Like yeah, it, it's yeah. just that, that shit was insane to me. And then at the very tail end of it, with Nash and Alex Shelley, and <laughs> Nash looks up at Shelley from the wheelchair. Is like, yo, Alex, you got a cup on? And, and without missing a beat, Shelley's like, no, that's all me. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> like I, I love just, that. Shit was fucking hilarious. It's nice. It's nice because you could tell that like Nash was trying to like put him in a dig situation, like just to try to like you know just poke fun at or rip to rib him or whatever. And he, yeah. yeah, he just didn't miss a beat, and he was like, "Nope, all it's natural, just, baby." Yeah, love it. I love that. Uh, but the match here is Chris Saban versus Alex Shelley. This is well before the Motor City Machine Guns, but um, and I, dude, okay, listen, I like both these guys a lot, but I felt like the match dragged quite a bit. Like I felt like someone got in their ear and was like, "Yo, you guys need to work it like." like you know a a main event wwe style match and that's not who these guys were and that's what it felt like they were trying to do and it wasn't good like it just didn't i don't think it clicked uh or maybe like they're just not good opponents like because i don't know if i've seen a whole lot of like saban shelly matches against each other they're a great tag team for sure but like i don't know it just the chemistry wasn't there i was pretty let down actually i was kind of hyped to see the match and it was a the whole kevin nash angle thing is weird too it was a complete miss for me um i gave it a i gave it a beer just because they tried, I guess. I don't know. Uh, Wex, what do you think about Saban versus Shelley here? I thought it was a pretty good match. I don't know. Uh, I don't understand. I mean, there's a few clunky things here and there, but I thought it was solid overall. I gave it three and a half beers. Wow. And the, the Kevin Nash angle, I mean, yeah, it's kind of, you know, whatever. But, I mean, the match itself, like those two, they, I thought they did some pretty sick shit. Wow. It wasn't, wasn't enough for me, man. Jesse, where are you at on it? I felt like there was some slop, but I also kind of got the impression that from all their efforts to clean up all that shit, that not everything was really in ring-ready shape like it normally would be. Like, there were some people, like, crew members slipping on the ramp as they were walking out and shit. And so I'm wondering if the ring was, like, how it needed to be. You know what I mean? Sure. But there's that. I thought there was a bunch of innovative maneuvers. I mean, there's just spot calling for days. I thought the bell-to-bell was solid. 
the, all that focus on the outside angle really fucking killed it for me. I ended up giving it two and a yeah. half years still, but like all of that bullshit Gaga with Nash, just I hated that part. Yeah, I think it, uh, probably for me it was just the, I had the high expectations for it, and it just that, that's on me. But let's keep it moving here. We had a James Mitchell promo on like Raven and Spike Dudley, and that was kind of that was kind of weird. Um, I mean, I felt like it was going to be a miss as well with the match. Um, but let's get into it. It's Abyss versus Brother Runt or Spike Dudley or whatever. Um, I thought it was actually pretty fast paced and I, I, they felt like they tried to keep it interesting. The crowd was super, super behind spike too. And the tax spots were, I don't think I've ever seen anyone get essentially curb stomped into some thumbtacks before. Like that was pretty cool. Like, I mean, I was like, damn, like it was significantly, but it was like the opposite of the Shelly Saban match for me. It was way better than I expected it to be. Um, and I gave it three solid beers right there in the middle for an abyss brother run match. Three solid beers is like knocking it out of the park for those dudes. You know what I mean? So, and that's not a slight against Spike. He's a really great wrestler. I just, at this point in his career, you know what I mean? Uh, three beers for me. Jesse, what do you think about Abyss versus Brother Runt here? I gave it three and a half. And again, I, nice. I, I echo the same fucking thing, man. I was surprised. I really was not, I was dreading the match when I saw the opening package. And then, especially when Spike walks out and he's got his best fucking De Niro Mohawk impression going, I was like, oh yeah. no, this is going to be terrible. But they did, like, the classic throw spike into the crowd ECW spot. You know, getting to see an acid drop or two never hurts my feelings. I thought it was fucking great overall. The military press into the tax also yeah, nuts in terms of the spot. Like the front bump, too. Yeah. Yeah, nuts. So, yeah, I gave it three and a half. Wex, where you at on Brother Runt versus Abyss? I was right there with you. Solid three beers, dude. He got the hell. Abyss just manhandled him in this yeah. match, but it was great. It worked perfect for what it was. Sick ass tack spots, acid drops. Was not a fan of the Mohawk. I like when I saw the Mohawk. I was like Jesse. I'm like, yeah, this is not gonna be so good. But uh, yeah, it was pretty fun. He got the hell beat out of him. He did exactly what Brother Spike Run is supposed to do. Yeah, he, he, he did the job. And he did the job and did the job and did the job. <laughs> indeed indeed uh let's keep it rolling here we got a rhino promo in the back and i actually thought it was not bad like he, he delivered a pretty solid promo there um and there was a good promo package for monty brown versus samoa joe versus rhino it's really hard to have these kind of matches to me without like real stakes meaning like without a title on the line but i felt like they did a really good job of building like uh you know the you know King of the Hill type vibe, like who's the strongest man, who's the guy here, whatever. And I felt like it worked. The package was good. Um, man, the match here is Monty Brown versus Rhino versus Samoa Joe. And I know we always think about Samoa Joe as being like, you know, one of these, uh, you know, TNA originals, the guy that like helped build TNA. And he certainly did. But dude, like Rhino is a legit OG TNA guy. Like I'm pretty sure he's had more time in TNA than any other company that he's ever worked for, including ECW and WWE. Like, and so it's just something that you don't really notice. Like, you know that he's always kind of there, but you don't really think off the top of your head, like, oh, Rhino is like a TNA guy. But realistically, the dude had the majority of his career here. I mean, the match was actually there now. Yeah, the match was really good, too, um, especially the, the spots between Rhino and Samoa Joe. Monty Brown is still pretty green at the time. I don't think he ever really met his full potential. Um, but there were some cool spots in there for sure. Uh, it definitely wasn't bad, um, but it was a little more big man wrestling, and that's not totally my style. I was still two and a half beers on it, so almost in the middle. Didn't hate it, um, but just not my personal style of wrestling that I enjoy. Um, Wex, where are you at on this, this triple threat here, man? 
I was actually surprised by how much I enjoyed this match. It was mostly Samoa Joe being Samoa Joe, just doing badass shit. Yeah. I went 3.75. Oh, wow. Okay, cool. And I know that's really high for a match involving Monty Brown, but the other yeah. two, Samoa Joe and Rhino are fucking OG killers. Like, they're, they're, yeah. they've always been good. They've never, like, they, I'm sure they've had matches that weren't as good, but they've all, they usually always put on a pretty solid match. Yes, yeah. We, we covered some Rhino matches recently, like hardcore matches, like just great, yeah. great shit. Rhino, Samoa Joe, always sick. I love Samoa Joe's fucking suicide dive, like shoulder tackle, because he's so big. Yeah. <laughs> he's got, he's, yeah, his, yeah, he's big as hell. It's it's sick. I really like that. But yeah, 3.75, just a hard-hitting big boy match. Jesse, where are you at on Brown, Joe, and Rhino? I really thought that it was amazing how over Joe is with the crowd here. Everybody is like super into pretty much everything that he did. I thought, um, obviously Rhino walked into the company over already. So, you know, he already had that going for him. Uh, I thought Monty Brown was going a little bit harder than I anticipated, but also trying to look at the landscape of this, this show is not very long after the second one night stand. So this is around the same time that they're relaunching WWE CW where Monty Brown would wind up very shortly after this show. Yeah. So it's kind of interesting to look at that landscape in terms of how this match unfolded, because there's a lot of like ECW-esque shit in this three-way, you know, yeah, I felt oh, like it was sure. somewhat derivative of that, but there are a couple of moments. I thought that slide in down the ramp by Rudy Charles to try and get that one count was fucking choice. That was like one of my favorite moments of the whole fucking match, but I still only gave it two beers. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I was two and a half on it. I think that we're all kind of, Kind of in the same ballpark. Wex being a little more generous as usual because he's a lush. Uh, let's let's keep it going. Uh, there's a Larry Zabisco promo in the back with a weird wig on again, and I guess he's in some kind of weird angle with the referees because that's gonna draw money. There's gonna be a huge blow off between Earl Hebner and Larry Zabisco. That makes total sense to give it a bunch of time on a pay per view. Great great job guys. Really good booking minds there. Uh, the match here is Gail Kim versus Sorelda. Uh, I'm not really 100% sure who or, yeah, who Sorelda was or is. Sorelda. Um, she's clunky as hell, super green. Uh, it's really rough when, like, an amazing worker like Gail Kim can't save it. Like, if she can't save it, then you're utter trash. Uh, and the match wasn't good. I gave it half a beer because I felt really genuinely bad for Gail Kim because I do think that she's probably top five best women's wrestlers of all time. So, uh, all, only only got a half a beer from me, though. Wex, where are you at on Gail Kim versus Sorelda here? Uh, I don't know what happened if I wasn't paying attention. I went to the bathroom, but I don't remember this match. Uh, It was really short. I did not watch it. I don't know. Yeah, so there you go. Great. I guess it wasn't wasn't that fucking good. I don't know what happened. It must have literally played while I was taking a shit or making some chicken tenders or something. You're doing a great job over there, Wex. We uh, we appreciate that yeah, the valuable, eight, eight, valuable content. dollar chicken tenders, the good kind. Nice, nice. Now we're talking about chicken tenders. Jesse, <laughs> what'd you think about this match? Man, the crowd was completely dead for this. I felt like the I felt like the crowd managed to stay hyped throughout the show following that whole fire incident, like pretty effectively, all the way up until this shit show. The botched ass finish. It the whole yeah. thing was <laughs> shitty. Why they cut the four-way tag team match and did not cut this, I will never understand. I gave it a beer just because you know, benefit of the doubt, but I'll tell you, I'll tell you why they cut the other one. Cause the other match probably had a lot more time on it. And they're like, Oh, let's stick this bullshit in there real quick. They also probably wanted to get the girls on the show. Yeah. yeah. TNA. That's their name, baby. 
Yeah. None of that was going on with the opponent, that's for fucking sure. Absolutely not. Jesus, Lord in heaven. Uh, the next thing on the card here is Scott Steiner <laughs> with a very bad promo. Uh, it's, it's, I'm still going to call him Loki because his name is fucking Loki. I yeah, never thought this thing Loki. got over. What is he um, there was, I thought the X Division like, promo package was good, though. Um, and I was really hyped for the match, and it didn't disappoint. I thought it was a banger. I thought this is probably my match of the night. Um, I think it is my match of the night. Yeah, I'm four and a half beers deep on this one. It's Petey Williams versus Jay Lethal versus Loki. Um, all three guys were super crisp. It was a good flow between all three of them. Uh, there wasn't too much feeding or one guy laying out, and I very, very much like this. They've managed to do a lot of spots with all three guys involved, and that's always difficult to do. Very much like the finish as well. Um, yeah, four and a half beers from me. What do you think about this X Division match, Jesse? Man, I, you know, looking at this on the actual lineup, when I first looked at this show to book it for this podcast, I was like, okay, this is probably going to be the banger. I'm sure this is the match of the night. It has some strong contention with the match to follow, but I gave it four and a half beers. I thought it was a really great example. Again, 2006 has a lot of highlights for the X division in TNA and a lot of like just really evident reasons why it was such a big deal to so many people. They broke a lot of talent that are still active to this day, including Petey Williams, including Sin Shi, which is what he was called here, which is fucking stupid, Thanks. and including Jay Lethal. But I thought the match was absolutely fucking great. Also, to harken back to the Scott Steiner promo, I don't know if you saw like the shirt that he was wearing for this whole thing. A hard man is good to find. If you got the booty, I got the time. You got to give it to Scott Steiner, dude. Nobody else can pull that shit off. Yes. And I love how he kept putting over his intelligence in that promo and was just saying shit, pronouncing shit wrong the entire time. And using, like, words that don't don't have anything to do with what he was talking about. Like, Like, homeo sapiens. Yeah. No, yeah, he he said homo, yeah, he's fucked that all up. Steinerisms. Yeah, Steinerisms, that's it. Knocking it out of the park, man. Um, what do you think about this one, Wex? This this X Division match? Oh, this X Division match I thought it was a pretty solid banger. I gave it four beers. Yeah. It could have been a little bit better, but like some of these X Division, you know how like just, there's so much shit going on so yeah. fast. Mm-hmm. Like, but the shit they did do was really sick. Like some of those double teams, and when Loki was going on this Sin Shin gimmick, why did he have the weakest gear every time? Yeah, I don't know. Like it's- just these weird blue pants. And that's Not to it. mention and the then, fact that like TNA is what made him famous to begin with. So like yes. when everyone already knows you as as like, Loki, and then you leave and change your gimmick and then come back, that doesn't make why like it just like it just seems, be Sin Shin in Japan and be Loki yeah. in fucking TNA. Yeah, like, it makes way more sense. The wackest gear. Remember he had that all just like those random white trunks. Yeah. And then he it was had like a those, geek with a kick he pad. Was wearing these random like baggy blue pants. Like it yeah. just. Hey, at least it's not all. Yeah. At least it's not Caval, his fucking NXT gimmick. Oh, Caval. Yeah, that was the worst. And he was like, I think like Lay Cool were his pros. That yeah. was rough. Oh, Rest good. in peace to Sin Shin Loki, whatever the fuck you want to call him's career. Damn. Yeah, didn't he I mean, he's killing it in MLW right he's now. He's in MLW, oh. but I've heard, I've heard he's hard to work with. I will just say that. Yeah, he's got a reputation for taking liberties in the ring, and that's never good. Nobody wants to work with a guy they can't trust, so... Uh, let's keep it rolling here, though. We got a great Conan promo uh, in the back, which is, I mean, dude, like, this is the beginning of the kind of LAX run, and it's obviously not the best incarnation of this team, uh, but it's crazy that this gimmick is essentially still working really well today, um, and it's pretty much because of Conan and his mic skills. 
And I thought the, the promo package was really good. The match here, though, um, it wasn't bad. But I thought that Hernandez had was awful. Hernandez just tons of stutter steps, missed a lot of spots. Of course, AJ and Daniels looked great. Homicide looked great as well. But Hernandez really, really put a big dent in the match. Um, I thought it was well-booked, though. I mean, it was well-worked by the other three guys. Good pacing. The match was good. It just, you know, sub in somebody else instead of Hernandez, and it would have been a significantly better match. Uh, I gave it three and a half beers total, though. Still still a pretty solid rating for me. Uh, Jesse, what did you think about this tag team match? I got to disagree about your evaluation of the incarnations of LAX. I think that this was the best one. And as much as I love Santana and Ortiz, I just never – I always preferred them in their own gimmick. I just really feel as though, like, for me, you say LAX, I think of Homicide and Hernandez with Conan at their side, probably just from this era. I thought the match was fucking great. Hernandez had some shit like he was by far the least smooth worker in the ring. But at the same time, his variance of being the big man style to these other three hyper athletically driven workers, I thought worked really well for the match. Uh, I gave it four and a half. Mm. Wow. All right. Jesse, what do you think? Or sorry, Wex, what do you think about this tag team match? This one was my match of the night. What? God, all right. For this pay-per-view. I enjoyed it. I know, like you said, the other three guys like worked their ass off, and Hernandez, even though he wasn't the same style, I thought he had some pretty cool, innovative shit in there too for his style. Like he did the like a stinger splash in the corner, but didn't use his arms; just only used his chest. Yeah, I thought that, and he, like the way he hit it was really sick. And he, I thought it was a nice little contrast. It, obviously, if he was a more fluid, smoother worker, I would have rated it even higher. But you can't deny AJ Styles and Christopher Daniels at this point. Like, dude. They are yeah. fucking absolutely killing it. And then Homicide is right up there with them. Like, I'm, I, I really enjoy this match. 4.75. It could have been five if Hernandez would have been a little bit smoother. Really, if he just would have been a tad bit smoother. And I don't know. I can't really agree with Jesse on them being the yeah. best incarnation. But I will say that incarnation of Homicide and Hernandez and uh, Santana and Ortiz, they're the best two combinations yes i would agree random ones in between that aren't so good but (laughs) i would would agree with that i would agree with that those those are the two best and those had some of the great matches against each other in impact as like the originals you know like if you ever watched any of that shit so i mean there you go yeah that's good stuff for sure well let's keep it rolling here we got a christian cage promo in the back just ripping old ham cubes apart i enjoyed that quite a bit um he's i mean dude he just i feel like christian cage really really totally like annihilated Steiner verbally. Like I was, I, this was probably one of my favorite TNA Christian cage promos. Uh, and then we got a package for sting versus Jarrett and this, the package was great match. Not so much. It's sting versus Jeff Jarrett, NWA world's heavyweight championship uh, match pretty much sucked. Uh, the only good thing about it was kind of the Christian heel turn at the end of the match. I love Jared's, I love Jared's podcast a lot. I know he's a great guy. He's like done a lot of really cool stuff in the middle Tennessee area or whatever, but I don't care what anyone says, man, bell to bell. I just don't think he's ever been great. I just had, it's never, he's never been my style. I just don't like his actual matches. Not great. Uh, not great. Again, love his podcast. Not a big fan of his bell to bell work. And the match was just way overbooked. Wasn't into it at all. Um, I gave it a half a beer. Jesse, where are you at on it? I, I'm dead in the middle on it because if I'm thinking the 2006 and I'm thinking about the main event pictures that are going on adjacent to TNA, trying not to look at it completely in a vacuum, 
you got WWE kind of starting the ruthless aggression thing, but really most of it was pretty flat at this point in time. And like, I don't know, Jarrett Sting kind of, especially for the NWA world title before they switched the title over, there's something that like harkened back to my, my little, little nostalgic heart, easy for me to say. But I also thought the crowd was into it. I thought it was a well-worked main event. There were too many like ref shenanigans and falsies and stuff like that for me really towards the end of it. But the big thing was that fucking heel turn didn't make any sense at all. Like, or I guess you can't even call it a heel turn, but but like Christian's turn on Jarrett made no sense to me. And like, I don't know. It was just sort of weird, but I still gave it three beers. Yeah, it wasn't for me at all. Did not enjoy this one at all. Lex, where are you at on this main event? I'm right there with Jesse. I went in the middle three beers just because there was too much gaga, too much bullshit going on. And like it, it had the potential to be better if they just would have let them work a match. And the whole thing, the and like the ref kicking them out and then them coming back anyways, like that that was bullshit. Like, you know, if you're ejected by the ref, you're not fucking coming back. Where's security? How did Christian get back out there? How did he get the guitar? Who, who Who's running this show? Jeff Jarrett's running the show. So obviously we know how that happened. <laughs> What kind of guitar but was it? It was Jeff's guitar. Oh, it may have, it may have been a work. What brand? It was a, a hollowed out whatever bullshit. Ho- hollowed out Fender. It's a hollowed it's a wash, out. It's a Washburn. Particle board guitar. It's a Washburn. Hundred <laughs> percent, it's a Washburn. The it's only a kind of guitars board that are Washburn that, that explodes on impact. But and like I don't know. I love Mike Tenay on commentary, but like I know Dom West trying to sell it, but it was just eh. Could it could have been a lot better. I have that one beer feeling, but I know they tried their best, so I give them that three beer rating. Ah, well, for me, I actually believe that in this kayfabe comparison, I'm going to give it to Hogwild 96. I thought it was a better show um, overall. I thought that there's more relevance to that show than the Hard Justice show. Um, So for me, for my kayfabe comparison, I'm going to go with Hogwild, and I would say if you have to pick one match to watch from either one of these shows... For me, it's going to be Ric Flair versus Eddie Guerrero. Uh, Jesse, where are you at? Which which one for the kayfabe comparison and your overall match of the night? Definitely Hog Wild. Um, I think I'm going to have to go with Malenko Benoit for match of the night, man. That's okay. close. I mean, it's it's there are a couple of really great contenders on that show. Flair Guerrero's great. Mysterio Dragon's great. Yeah. It's you know I don't know. Yeah, I'm it's, not mad at that. I'm not mad at that pick at all. It makes perfect sense. I mean, Malenko Benoit was great. It's a pretty stacked card. I do kind of have to wonder like. Just for the sake, again, of benefit of the doubt, I have to wonder how much different a card Hard Justice would have wound up being without the fucking flaming trust scenario at the top, at the top of the show. But, you know. <laughs> All right, Wex, where you at, man? Which one wins this uh, kayfabe comparison and your overall match of the night? So for both companies that were working out of the Disney area at the time, mm-hmm. I'm going to have to go with the WCW, and not yeah. by much. Honestly, if there was no fire... And a, f- a couple other things. I feel like the other show could have been close. And if we got to go match of the night, like Hog Wild, you got three match of the nights. You got the Eddie Guerrero yeah. match, the Dean Malenko Benoit match, and Rey Mysterio. Think about that. All like some of the sickest, like I just yeah. saw all the sickest names. And then on the TNA show, I would say the X Division match and then that tag match. Just ones you should check out. That's fair for sure. I'm into it. I think Hogwild is the unanimous winner this week. Uh, but next week, I'm really excited because we're going to be covering the debut of AEW Rampage. We're going to be talking about uh, what that show looks like, how we felt about it. We're probably going to cover uh, the Dynamite as well, just so we'll have enough content to keep up with. 
another iconic show that it's going up against. So it'll be essentially like this week in AEW versus SummerSlam 2001. Yeah, man, it's going to be a good one. I'm super hype about it. Jesse, Mr. Booker, man, what do we have to look forward to from SummerSlam 2001, baby? Man, we've done a lot of 2001 deep dives so far this year just because of the uh, commemorative 20-year anniversary of that era of wrestling. We're like hot off the invasion angle that, you know, was what it was, but there were a lot of really awesome matchups that came out of that. There was a really great feud with RVD and Jeff Hardy that plays out over the course of this yeah. year. There's another step here with that one. There's also like, man, I got to say, like, there's the whole thing where Christian's kind of starting to like turn into the obsessed little brother and sort of like you're starting to see the turn with him and Edge and things like that. Like, fucking great angle. I can't wait to see the debut of Rampage. I'm very curious to see what they do. AEW yeah. has really ramped up their production levels. And so, like, all their video packages and stuff leading up to Rampage look like a professional sports company. They look really great. And so far, Dynamite has just been getting better and better every week. So, I think That's we have a lot night. to look forward to. Wait, yeah. is it Wednesday? It's Wednesday. Oh, no, it's shit. Tuesday. Wait. It's Tuesday. It's, it's Wednesday. Wednesday. It's tonight. Dynamite's tonight. Yes. Dynamite I said it's Tuesday because we normally do the podcast yeah. on Tuesday, but today we're doing it on Wednesday. Today we are doing really? it on Wednesday. Yes, a little peek behind the curtain there for you boys and girls. And then the following week, it is going to be an all-SummerSlam episode. We're going to be covering the newest SummerSlam, SummerSlam 2021, going up against a way throwback, a 30-year comparison at SummerSlam 1991. That is one that is British going Bulldog? to be... Oh, yeah, is that w- yeah, Wembley Stadium? I think that's 92. That's 92. Uh, uh, yeah. Yeah, me too. I thought that was the British Bulldog one, yeah. Is 91, uh, is this the Warrior one? So, SummerSlam 1991 is a very, 1991 is a crazy fucking year, if you recall. This is the year they had to move Mania. Uh, This is the year that the U.S. announced that we were going to war with Kuwait, the night of the Royal Rumble event. Um, Full-on, you know, Kuwaiti, Iraqi sympathizer, Sergeant Slaughter. You've got Hogan and the Warrior that are on a tag team in this scenario. And they are going up against Sergeant Slaughter, General Adnan, and Colonel Mustafa in a three-on-two handicap match. Mm, that's going to be a great match. Yeah. But <laughs> you've also got, like, J.J. Dillon, Bobby Heenan, Gene Okerlund, The Undertaker, Jake Roberts, the Legion of Doom, the Nasty Boys. I mean, there's a ton. Like, Bret Hart and Perfect, which if you guys— Oh, were- yeah. That, yeah. Okay. That's the banger, yeah. That was one of our old, uh, when we were doing some top five just unexpected pay-per-view matches and shit, this was one on, uh, on my list for sure. So it's a, it's going to be a very interesting show, and I can't wait to see the difference between 91 and what we're about to see in 2021 where we rehash Goldberg again. God. Good God. I feel like WWE is just sabotaging themselves right now. It's just like, fuck it, fuck yeah. it, fuck we're it. We're just starting over. Let AEW be hot for a while, and we'll just figure something out and have a comeback later, I guess. Or not. I mean, what happens if what, what happens if AEW becomes the number one wrestling company in the world, period? The I way mean, WWE is headed, <laughs> that would be... Yeah, I'm in. Happen. But I mean, like, how, how, like I, I just can't even imagine WWE being number two for that long. I, it's just so weird to think about. Like, And think about a, t- a Turner broadcasting based 
wrestling company does it again because they're the first ones to do it in the first place. Yeah, it's wild, man. Not to mention the fact that maybe we will get a wrestling company with a streaming service that's worth a fuck to navigate if AEW gets back on top. That'd be yes. great. I would love to have And it. imagine AEW getting, like, since they do have all this forbidden door shit, having, oh, you can watch some ROH and some New Japan and some Impact stuff on this yeah. ultimate wrestling streaming service. That would be great. That would be great. I think that would be a win for everybody. I just thought about it. Next, uh, by the time the episode comes out that we review the first episode of Rampage, the second episode of Rampage will be happening, like, right before this episode debuts. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So when it comes out, we could have the debut of CM Punk. It's possible. It's very possible. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. Yeah, it's crazy. There's a lot. There's a lot going on in the wrestling world right now. It's a very exciting time. I'm hyped to talk about it. We got a lot of SummerSlam content coming up. Always good to talk about AEW stuff. You can always find the show at Kfabe.com on all of the socials except for TikTok, where we do our match of the week. On TikTok, we are at Kfabe.com Pod because Wex is an asshole. You can always find me at Daniel Daybreak everywhere on the social interwebs. Uh, Jesse, where can people find you, man? At Jesse Baker Nash. And also check out the 50 for 50 series commemorating the 50th anniversary of Nashville's legendary music forum, The Exit In. You can find information on those shows at exitin.com. Yes, indeed. Mr. Wex, give him the script, baby. Find your boy Wex Breaking the Lawson at Wex Breaking the Lawson on uh, Instagram. <laughs> it's also that on the YouTube. Twitter is just Wex breaking that because I couldn't fit the loss in. And you can also check out the new page, uh, FU Golf Crew. We're out there uh, hitting the links, playing, playing a little yeah. golf. Nice. Skate, skate, skateboarders transitioning to the links, you know, in our spare time. That's where, nice shots. that's where you'll find me. Yeah, that's where you'll find a little bit of Max over here. Nice, nice. Well, Switching Max, up the board for the clubs every now and then. Max, thanks for jumping in, man. We appreciate it. We've had a good yeah, time. Yeah, sorry. I, I know I was, I was pretty worthless, but uh, next time, ah. there is, if there is a next time, I'll make sure to know more about the content and I can contribute much more. Awesome, dude. Yeah, you're welcome anytime for sure. I had a good time. Thank All right, you. boys. That's going to do it for us this week. We will see you guys next week. We're out. Peace. Peace. Peace.